Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host. Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Kelly Mahan of Han Advertising. So hi to everyone, Kelly. Hi, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about advertising promotion and public relations. And tomorrow's show, we're going to have Steve Jones. And he's going to be talking about green technology. He's got two new green technology companies. And without Steve being here, I'm going to call them technologies that help the environment. And he's going to talk about that. Next week, we're going to have uh, Adrian O'Brien, the president of First Financial Bank here in uh, Cincinnati. And he's going to be talking about uh, banking and how to select a good banker. The uh, next day, we're going to have uh, Betsy Emery from Tell Us talking about Another aspect of uh, the advertising agency business. Following, we're going to have Neil Meyer, Ph.D. from the Union Institute. And he's going to talk about Union Institute and how they've helped ex-military personnel. On the 19th of October, Chris Adams, the CEO of Stepping Stones Foundation, is going to be uh, our guest. Uh, Stepping Stones operates two facilities here in the Cincinnati area, one in Indian Hill. And they are the franchisee for the Rotary Club of Cincinnati's Camp Allen in uh, Batavia. They help children with great and, and young adults with great disabilities. And they offer programs year-round. He's going to Chris is going to talk about their award-winning uh, foundation and what they do. On the 25th, Thursday, the 25th of October, we have Mike Callahan, a local entre- serial entrepreneur, and he's going to be talking about his current company, Document Destruction, and things he's done to make that company uh, both sales efficient and business efficient. And on the 26th of October, we have Eric Adams from Turnstile. Talk about for a minute about some of the upcoming Sandler programs. We have our one-day cold call camp in October. This will be the last one for the year. It's an all-day program on learning how to make cold calls that is open to both Sandler clients and Non-clients, if you're interested, call our office at 513-753-9400, extension 106. And we have a Sandler Foundations course that begins October 17th. That's a Wednesday morning from 8 to 10. Two other things. First one is for Sandler clients. If you're interested in attending the Sandler Client Summit in Orlando on February 14th and 15th, Places are filling up fast. There are only going to be about 600 places for that. 
Uh, this is open to anyone in the world. The summit last year was a tremendous success, and Dave Matson, our CEO, is committed to make this one even better. This one has a theme. It's no guts, no gain. How to get tougher in sales and get more business. So that, that will be good for Sandler clients. There will be two separate tracks on that, one for sales, if you're in sales, and there will be a second track if you're a company owner. So hopefully we'll we'll fill that up. Also, this is something to put in your calendar and pre-plan. We are offering the Networking Works Program starting on January 7th. It will run for four consecutive Monday mornings. Cost for non-Sandler clients is $199, free for Sandler clients. We're only going to fill 25 seats in that program. Registration will be required. So if you're a client or you want to attend the program, call us here at the office and let Carmen know. We need to reserve each place. Okay, Kelly, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got here? You know, you got out, you, you went to college. Which college did you go to? I went to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Knoxville. They have a very good communications college and a great football team at the time. Great football team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here at San Luis, we eliminate the word very. Gotcha. Weak intensify. It's got no meaning in the English language anymore. So you didn't pick up much of a uh, Tennessee accent. I did. I did pick up a big Tennessee accent, and um, my husband would attest to that. And then I, after I graduated from college, I went to um, London and worked there at a magazine, and I came home with a, an English accent, which I've gotten rid of since. But I had a good thing going for a few years, southern to English, back to Cincinnati. So can you... Can, oh, I can't. Don't can, make me do that. No. You can't switch them on and off? You're I can, yeah. I think when we get into the state of Tennessee for driving down south, my southern accent comes back. Comes back down through Alabama, Florida. Um, my kids make fun of me, and then I stop. <laughs> but I can put it on any time. <laughs> the southern accent? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And my daughter has done a good job of picking up an English accent, and she has a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. So you've been in the marketing industry for over 20 years. Yep. How long did you work in London? I was only there for a little less than a year. Mm-hmm. And what did you do there? I was working for a, uh, I was a writer for a magazine called Skier Magazine. And I, um, Skier Magazine? Skier. Oh, Skier. Little experience skiing. So I was a little bit out of my element. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the spelling is different in England, so I got, um, a lot of grief from the publisher about spelling a lot of words wrong. It was one of those really, really fun jobs, and I was in a great location, um, great experience, but probably not my launching pad for my marketing career. How did you launch your marketing career when you got back to the States? When I got back to the States, I got a job at a company called Frequency Marketing, still in business. In fact, it's located nearby here in Milford, Ohio, and um it was a terrific experience. I worked with national clients. I had um, a really great group of mentors that I worked for, and I just got exposed to an extensive amount of uh, you know, really great talent, and, and it was just a very good experience. So I actually was hired by them to work on the ITT Sheraton account, and then I transitioned into another role because the owner of the company was changing the focus of the company from um, more into a um, 
relationship marketing program. So we launched a, ma- a magazine that's still in circulation now called Colloquy, and I was able to interview business owners and CEOs around the country um, about what was at that point a new trend in marketing, one-on-one relationship marketing. And this is before, of course, social media mm-hmm. was in place. But that was that was sort of the era when you know, if you remember getting direct mail pieces where they were personalized and they could tell you what your point balance was, things along that was, you know, very, we were very trend setting at the time. And um, that was sort of what I was working on there. So I got exposure to the national accounts. I got to work, you know, on those, those kinds of accounts, but I also got to work with some smart people who were, you know, leading the way in new marketing, um, sort of trends, if you will, at the time. So great experience. I went from there, though, to a a more traditional uh, advertising agency. I worked at several and um, probably was working at agencies for a few years before I I started my own company. Mm -hmm. What was the impetus that caused you to start your own advertising agency? People ask me all the time what made me decide to start my company, uh, the the funny story is I never consciously made a decision to start a marketing and advertising firm. It just kind of happened. It's very circumstantial. Hmm. I can tell you the story. It's a long story, though. <laughs> well, even though the show's an hour, we probably don't want to take the whole show talking about that. Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit uh, about what Mahan Advertising uh, does today. Okay. Uh, Mayhem Advertising is a full-service marketing, advertising, PR form, firm. We work with um, local clients, of course. We work with regional clients, and we've had national clients. And we have both business-to-business and consumer accounts. I would say that about 75% of our billings are for retail consumer accounts in the mid-market range. So retail chains are probably our sweet spot. And our focus, I think... Um, what we do extremely well is the strategic planning part of getting an account and getting them to the right place with their marketing efforts and then, of course, the execution on that. We call it a, an effective creative execution. Every single account we have is different. There's really not a turnkey approach to marketing or advertising these days, certainly more now than ever before. But we have a wide range of clients, which is probably why I love what I do so much because I get to work you know, in a lot of different business sectors. Round numbers, how many clients do you get? service? We have 12, 13 clients that I would say are, um, you know, consistent where they're either working with us, you know, for several years in a row. And then every year we pick up and work with uh, what we call project-based clients. So it's someone that, you know, has a problem, has a challenge that we can fix, address, help them solve in a six to eight month time period. So a few of those a year, but we typically have a roster of between 12 and 15 clients. Mm-hmm. And how do you format your work at the agency? Is it, it Do you use employees for all of the work, or do you farm stuff out? Mayhan Advertising's business model is really unique uh, for an advertising agency. And when I started the firm almost 20 years ago, we did, by design, create a small firm. I came from big agencies, and it was always a challenge because a lot of the times we felt like well, I felt like a lot of time and effort unnecessarily went into getting, you know, little things done for clients, and they were billed, you know, for our time. So mm-hmm. I was 
really hoping to come up with a solution where we could streamline the process and make it a situation where the client's paying a fair rate for excellent service. So we are uh, small by design, and we do, to answer your question, we outsource a lot of our work. So we work with a lot of freelance designers, and uh, that pool of talent is always evolving, and we're always looking for new talent there. And we also work with freelance PR people. We have media buyers that, you know, they've been working with us for 10-plus years, not on our payroll, but uh, they are technically freelance. So, you know, what this enables us to do is provide top-notch service, and our clients aren't paying for our overhead. That's great. Uh, Kelly, we're going to take a a short commercial break, uh, and if anyone wants to call in, they can call in at, and Kelly has agreed to, Take some questions at four. I'm sorry, six four six five nine five four nine one six. So if you call in during the commercial breaks, we'll be able to screen the calls and get someone on with Kelly. Let's listen to a couple of short Sandler commercials. This message is short and to the point. In business, you don't get paid for what you know; you get paid for what you sell. Yet many salespeople leave their skills to chance. They often think, let me think it over. They write proposals that go nowhere. They lower their price to get the order. They wind up chasing prospects through the voicemail maze. It doesn't have to be that way. The best salespeople were not born great. They learned it. I'm Mike Roth of Roth & Associates. We're famous for our expensive company owners and sales managers. Are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Kelly, if someone wants to contact you after the show, how should they do that? Uh, Mayhanadvertising.com. Our website has all of our contact information. You can email me through the website, or you can email me, email me at Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at Mahan, M-A-H-A-N, advertising.com. Good. Kelly, you're an advertising agency yourself. Uh, how do you go to market? How do, how, do, how do you find new prospects? Great question. Um, these days, uh, I spend probably half of my work life prospecting, and that can be anything from having lunch with someone that I have lunch with every three months just to stay on their radar so that when they're ready to make a change or hire a firm that we're, you know, on the top of their list. 
And, um, of course, there's multitude of networking opportunities and events and things that, that I go to. But I would say that just in my experience and the last – and I remember when my agency turned 10 years old, I remember it was sort of a turning point for us because we were getting a lot more referrals than we were in the first five, six, seven years. I was really, really pounding the pavement hard then. And um, now we – tend to get most of our clients through uh, word of mouth based on work that we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Not to say that they land in our lap, um, but we hear about opportunities that way. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we're invited to the dance when the time comes. Right. So for every uh, 10 opportunities that you participate in, how many do you win? Um, oh, that, that varies. I would say that you know, in my business, it's, you know, we're not a transactional type of sale business. So you, when you're doing a pitch for a national client, that percentage is going to go to down. When I'm talking regional, it's in the middle. Locally, we tend to be very, uh, um, we're very, we know what we're good at. We know mm -hmm. what clients are good fits for us. So we're very intentional in who we pitch. So given that, we tend to, Probably, I would say, two out of three we get. Well, that's not bad. Uh, but we're passing up. You know, we're passing up some pitches and opportunities in cases where we know that either it's not a client that we feel that we could good, do a good job for because of, uh, you know, just a fit. I mean, hiring an advertising agency is like getting married. You really just have to like the people you're working with um, and, you know, have the confidence that they can do good work. And sometimes if we don't see it being a good fit from that perspective, we pass on it. That's good. So you're only working with desirable opportunities. And Absolutely. You, you're discriminating against and selling one of the places you can and discriminate. And that, that was a learned trait for me. You know, I probably can't say that I was like that in the first year of you my business, anyone certainly. Who came to the door. Absolutely. Even probably the first five years. Um, and the big challenge in the last few years, as the economy's gotten more difficult, is keeping that standard high, you know, and not working with someone that we don't feel is a good fit for us. Bottom line is we can do a great job, but if the product isn't good, it doesn't matter what we do. So we always have to look at that first. And then, like I said, there's that sort of like relationships perspective that just has to be a good fit. We, we had that with a uh, a large account up in uh, Columbus mm -hmm. uh, a little earlier this year. The CEO uh, didn't want to get personally involved in the training of his people. He had about 25 people that needed to be training and. uh, and they're, they're selling over the phone every day. And he, his people were doing really poor. And he said a couple of things to us that indicated we had almost no chance of success in the short run. And he became a, a non-desirable opportunity. And I said... Find someone else. It's not, right. it's not for me. Uh, it won't work, what you're trying to do. When you're ready to do something that will work in a year, come back to us. Right. I mean, that happens in our business, too. It's not easy to fire a client, but and I've only done it a couple of times, but sometimes it's something that needs to be done. I have I've been very clients. fortunate. I mean, I think mostly, you know, everybody has, but... For the most part, we feel like we've been... I remember the first one I hired, I fired. I think everybody remembers the first one. I mean, uh, <laughs> he was a medical doctor. 
who ran a blood testing lab and alcohol testing. And I was training him and his sales manager. And he came to class, and he insulted other people in the classroom. Then he insulted some people in the class who worked for me. And I, I thought about it for a day, and I went over to, to his office the next day with a check in my pocket for everything he paid us to give him back his money and tell him he's, he's out of the program. And uh, I sit down with him, and he says, Mike, you're right. I didn't like being in the class. I said, it was obvious. Yeah, it's like I was going to break up with you anyway. Yeah, he mm-hmm. said, I love the Sandler material. I'm keeping the material. I'm keeping the, the audios. I'm keeping the workbooks. I said, well, th- th- that's okay. And usually, you know, when I'm handing him the check back, if I ask the CEO of a company to leave, they'll take all their employees. So here's the check back for your sales manager. And he looks at me as I'm pushing this check across the desk at him. He picks up the check and rips it in half. And I say, why'd you do that, Doc? He said, oh, this is good for for Lori. Mm -hmm. She likes your program. I want her to attend. She's going to be in your Lifetime President's Club. So did she come? Oh, yeah. Well, that worked out well. Yeah. (laughs) He made a bet with her uh, that she couldn't close an account uh, called Lakeside Lines, a bus company. He had been trying to close them for about five years, and he said to her, you're not allowed to go to Cleveland to close them. <laughs> and he bet her a, a, a new uh, Camaro that uh, she couldn't close them. I hope this was a long time ago. Well, this was about 10 or 15 okay. years ago. <laughs> and uh, she came to class. She she took the coaching. She did what I told her to do. The guys from Cleveland came to Cincinnati to meet with her. She closed the uh, the bus company. And a few weeks later, she comes up to the office with the doctor. In the, and they park the Camaro outside my front door here. And, and the doc comes in and says, "Mike, I want to. I wanted to show you how you cost me thirty-five thousand dollars." <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but it was the best deal ever. Yeah. I mean, long term. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a a good experience and uh, for everyone. Uh, so you don't you really are the salesperson for your agency. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that because uh, my account executives who work with our clients every day they're the face of my agency. They're they're salespeople. They're salespeople not in the so sense that I am, but I absolutely get referrals based on their work. How many how many of them do you have? Uh, where there's six employees now, and three of us, four of us are account service. You know, so we're day to day dealing with clients and face to face with clients. What are the biggest obstacles uh, you see in the marketplace today? Oh boy, that's complicated. Um, only because we work with so many different clients, different clients in different business sectors. So, you know, there's an answer for that question for every client. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, from you know, if I'm looking at it from my business's perspective in answering that question, some of the obstacles that we have are finding good talent. I have, I think, extremely good, good, good people that work for me who are dedicated, committed. They work um, like they own the company. Mm. Um, and 
you know, that's not an easy thing to develop and nurture and continue to have, but um, we are in a good place there. Um, obstacles, though, I think for us are finding and keeping the kinds of clients that we've been lucky enough to have uh, that understand the importance of marketing and are willing to do what they need to do to grow their business. Mm-hmm. It's really all about that top of mind awareness. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you see as the uh, the opportunities and possibilities in the marketplace today? I think that for a lot of us in the advertising and marketing sector, the obvious answer there is the social media sector. We are um, probably about 20% more of our billings this year than last year are going to be for social media efforts. We're incorporating it almost for every single client that we have, uh, with the exception of maybe a few business-to-business clients for whom it's not really applicable. So are you doing the social media marketing for your clients in-house? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Are there any particular tools that you're using that are exceptionally helpful? Um, We have been working on some platforms that would help us help us with tracking and metrics. Uh, One of the most important things that we need to be doing right now for the clients is showing them how many touch points they have, how much interaction there is and engagement uh, to make sure. Since we have a a varied audience, Uh what does touch point mean to you? Well, uh, how many people see a post on Facebook, for example. Those are the kinds of things that we're tracking. So no, I didn't I didn't know you could actually track that the number of people. Absolutely. Who, yes. So when we post the link for the today's show on Facebook, uh-huh. We can actually go back and figure yes. out how many people clicked on the link mm-hmm. or look just looked at it. You you there are reports that come for Facebook that you can see how many people actually saw it and then you can see, you know, how many people acted on it, responded to it. That's what we call engagement. Well, and to actually, be fair, I should I sh- I need to qualify myself here. I'm not a social media expert. I have two employees in house, and that's their background, and that's what they do. And they're probably 20 years old. So I talk a good game. Yeah, they're younger than me by a couple of decades. Yes, <laughs> um, but um, it is an important part of what we're doing for our clients. And so you know, what we're trying to make sure that we are doing well is not spending too much of their time and budget and money on it and constantly watching to see what's working and what's not working so that we can refine it and and make it something that is a viable part of their marketing effort. So in your opinion, which is more important, uh, pay-per-click like Google uh, Mm -hmm. or uh, social media like uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter for business? That totally depends on the client. Um, We don't – there is no – absolutely not a turnkey approach to social media with every client. For example, if I have a business-to-business client, probably, um, and I won't mention specific names, but we have one, and all that we work with them on is their LinkedIn. We've met with every single one of their sales reps. We've showed them how to set it up, how to use it. Um, We go through every single tab on LinkedIn so that their sales reps are using it to its fullest capability. Would I put them on, you know, and we might do some blogging, and Twitter would be another application for them when we're working on those things. Would I have that particular client on Facebook and post to their Facebook page every day? No. Their clients wouldn't see it. Their clients wouldn't ever like them. So, um, you know, every account's different. You know, the retail accounts, um, absolutely they're on Facebook. We just did a Foursquare contest with a client, and we did, we're starting a YouTube contest with the same client. So some of our retail clients, um, you know, 
we're using six or seven different social media platforms. Then mm-hmm. does it have a proven ROI? Sometimes we can uh, translate it into um, return on investment, but in not in the sense always of a sales transaction. Um, we can, for this particular client, um, what we were hoping to do is they have a best customer club, if you will, and so their objective and goal was to increase their number of uh, members. And absolutely, through social media, we can track that and and show exactly where those increases are coming from. Good. Again, if you want to call in and ask Kelly uh, a question, 646-595-4916. We're going to take a a break here, and uh, we'll be right back. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Hi, I'm Eric Meyer with Sam Training, here to talk about Rule 44. If your foot hurts, you're probably standing on your own toe. Here's an example. You go through your proposal with a prospect. Everything looks great. Your prospect is responding in a positive fashion to the information that you brought to the table. Um, Everyone feels good. You wrap up and move forward for the order, only to find that the prospect says that they have to take your information to a committee. At this point, you can get angry with the prospect. Why didn't they bring that up? Why didn't they tell you that they were going to have to take this information to somebody else before they could make a decision? Well, it's your job to ask the right questions to uncover roadblocks and potential problems ahead of time so that you don't find yourself scrambling at a future date when it's already too late. So take responsibility when the prospect brings up new problems and challenges. If you ask the right questions ahead of time, you can diffuse the situation before it's too late. And next time you're faced with the situation, the results will be positive. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Kelly Mahan of Mahan Advertising. Kelly, when you talk to your clients and, and your prospects, what do you think people are looking for in the world of marketing and public relations that's different than maybe it was five or six years ago? Return on investment. They understand that, um, um, I, you know, when I started out in this business, there were, it was, uh, the money was there, 
there were there wasn't much questioning. You know, you did radio, you did TV, you did outdoor, and maybe if you were really on top of the ball, you did a little direct mail too. Um, so and, and you know, it was just very formulaic, and no questions were asked, and the money was spent. Um, commissions were huge. I mean, you know, it was amazing what we would make on a media buy. Uh, nowadays, that's all changed, mm-hmm. and um, and I, frankly, I think for the better. Um, so, you know, we're held accountable for the money we spent. Every single client that we have, we have a way to chart and track sales against spend. So if they are contributing 4% of their sales in, to a, a you know marketing and advertising budget that we're responsible for and their objective is to increase sales, we're going to track sales. If their objective is to increase phone call, you know, um, if, if they're getting calls in, then we're tracking phone calls. And we have to work with our clients, and, you know, we rely on them to give us that kind of accurate information. But we have very extensive spreadsheets at the office that track all of this. And we all know that there's other variables that come into play. There's, you know, four or five snow days in a month. There's, you know, uh, in a retail business, you know, if you have something like that happen in a month, it's going to affect your monthly sales. So we also have columns that track all of these different variables. Um, at the end of the day, if my client's objective is to increase sales, I've got to show them that their money's being spent well and show them, okay, you know, we did this last year. Uh, the sales were kind of flat during those three months, so we're not doing that again this year, but this really worked well, so this year's plan, this is what we're going to focus on. And this is why working with some of my clients for 5, 10, even 10-plus 10 years, it's so effective uh, because we have that that basis of knowledge. Um, but that said, you know, every year is different, and you always have to be watching and making sure that you're making adjustments to spend that money as widely as you can. Have you ever worked with national franchisors? Yes, I have. Yeah. Can you share with our audience uh, one that where you had a good experience? Well, one of my accounts is, um, interestingly enough, um, I I handle accounts for franchisees right now, some ad co-ops. So you have the franchisor and you have the franchisees. Correct. In my history, I've always been on the franchisee side of uh, the um, account management, if you will. I worked with Subway. I worked with McDonald's um, at previous agency life, and now I have a retail a quick service chain that we work with, and we handle two of their um at co-ops, and we manage their budgets. So sometimes you ought to look at what Sandler's doing with its million dollars in marketing. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> I, um, you know, when you work with franchisees, though, invariably you have to work with the franchisor. Well, the franchisor so, yeah. actually has final decisions on on what the agency can do. Uh, as a franchisee, I'm extremely dissatisfied with what. Uh, our money has been spent on. Mm-hmm. It's not that uncommon. I mean, I, I, in my experience, I have always seen some um, butting of the heads between the franchisor and the franchisees. I think it's just nature of the beast, and um, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, the clients that we work with, um, there's always going to be that issue of control. But you know, the the local ad call money is spent, um, and they have the approval on that as to how it's spent. Of course, messaging, creative, things like that always are going to have to be approved by a franchisor. And that's normal. And it depends on what you attempt to do. Is it brand recognition that Mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. creating or Mm -hmm. is it uh, actual leads? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, It's my opinion Sandler should be switching from 
brand mm-hmm. to actual leads. Right. Because they've spent the past five years yep. or so. There's definitely a time when you need to transition from just talking about the brand and get into because people stop listening. They know who you are. You know, they know who you are. Right. If you if you listen to the commercials I insert in the show, mm-hmm. uh, there are no Sandler brand commercials anymore. You know, my client's going to think you planted this question because we have brand advertising out there. And one of the things that we, um, because we've been advertising for a long time in this particular market, we are constantly saying we have to add to the brand message. We have to put something on the tail end of that TV spot, for example, that has a, a special offer just something new, just something different and new. Um, this, you know, quick service restaurant sector, mm-hmm. the competition's bringing out a new product and a new special every single day. So we have to be doing that as well. So, and we do, we do kind of struggle with that a little bit. Right. We uh, we talked to a, a national uh, carpet cleaning company uh, with franchisees and some company stores, and they had bumped up their national TV uh, budget to $25 million a year. Mm-hmm. Built a, no, a new call center with 100 seats to handle the call volumes. Had three centers nationwide. And they were essentially advertising a lost leader. Mm-hmm. And the people who handled the phone had to upsell from the $99 special right. to bring it up to 150 100 $99 to make the fr- operators of the local franchises profitable. Mm-hmm. Just seemed like a awful lot of money wasted in right. long commercials. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, you make a great point. Um, it's not just about getting your message out there. What's probably even more important than that is making sure that your message is right. And one of the things that we constantly struggle with however i think you know in my case i've been fortunate because most of my clients um understand and appreciate the value of market research but understanding who your client is and what they want is so key and so important and one of the things that clients a lot of times don't want to pay for and just skip right over is that research it's really fundamental in everything that we do and the clients that we work with for whom we can do both qualitative and quantitative research and then formulate that into messaging, the success is so much greater. We see a direct correlation between getting it right, getting the message right, um, you know, because, again, to the same point where, you know, we can can spend all the money right and be in all the right places, but if the product's bad, not going to work. If the message is wrong, then all the media buying in the world and social media efforts it really isn't going to work. So that message is key. I got to say, we did. We did. That. I think we did that right at Sandler. We spent upwards of fifty thousand dollars on research. That's good. Yeah. Before the first dollar was spent on brand branding or brand advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they so found your the, branding message was on target, probably. But it's time to transition. I think it's. It really is time to transition right. to. Uh, seeking prospects as opposed to advertising the brand. Uh, we changed our... You sound like franchisee. <laughs> hey, I, I was head of the franchise, you want customers. franchisee yep. council for a year. I was on the marketing technical committee that brought in mm-hmm. uh, a national advertising program. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but that was more than five years ago. It's time. It's it is time, yeah. And and it almost calls for probably some different research, you know, where you're talking to your customers and why they made the choices they made. And and, and, and probably, Resolve. I believe, a different agency. Yeah. I think the agency that they well, brought I'll in. Well, I'll be, when we're done, I'll, have, I'll stick by and stand sure. by and we can talk. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll connect you up to, to Steve. I hope uh, there aren't any other agencies listening. <laughs> you know, it's a... Uh, it's a small world. I hear you. <laughs> that small world. Okay. Uh, we're going to take uh, a, a last commercial break here. And if you have a question for Kelly, you can call in on 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-753-9400, extension 102. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one- or two-day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523. 513-646-6523. On the web at rothconsulting.net. Finding power. In reinforcement. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Kelly Mahan, Mahan Advertising. Kelly, we have a theory of, of operation here in a business that says simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Maybe you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you encountered in, in your business, or maybe your, one of your clients encountered, and came up with an equally complex solution to solve it, and perhaps that solution might be transferable to another industry. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. Uh, some of the most complex um, issues that we deal with from a um, new business standpoint are clients for whom there's you know, broken. They have um, an internal sales team, for example, who might uh, not be engaged and, you know, not in a good place. And so I think people traditionally think of advertising, marketing, PR firms uh, as companies that just come in and, and you know, do a little research, put together a plan and execute on the plan. The more complex um, clients that we deal with involve a lot of um, dirty work up front where we get in there with the um, with the team mm -hmm. and engage them in the process um, because a lot of times it's just a morale thing 
um, or, you know, there's something going on and we don't know quite what it is. And, you know, if we're doing our job really well, we're asking our clients, you know, what are your problems and how can we solve them? And a lot of times the problems aren't just about getting the word out. It's more of an internal thing. So we we do do a lot of work, and I guess just addressing the complexity issue with clients where we go in and we do what we call brainstorming sessions or ideation sessions. A lot of times we're engaging them in the process of helping us come up with ideas. You said brainstorming and what? Ideation. Ideation um, means? Coming up with new ideas. Um, you know, engaging them in the whole sort of thought process to help us develop our messaging. And so, you know, there's different kinds of research, and a lot of times these internal sessions, we do quite a few of those a year. A lot of our clients, we do one every year just as a part of our process where we go in and we engage the employees and engage the group in the process and help them to help us come up with solutions just to get everybody involved in the process, and it's a buy-in thing. So a lot of companies, you know, have this sort of like, top down, you know, this is how we're going to do it. This is a firm we hired. We do encourage our clients who have sales teams involved or whether it be sales teams or employees or franchisees, mm-hmm. whatever that dynamic is, to kind of get them involved in the process because we see that it works better. And then they understand the messaging and, you know, it's the elevator speech. Then everybody's talking the same language. They're, you know, saying the same things, communicating the same things throughout the company all the way down to the employee that's at the register. So, um the most complex sort of situations we deal with usually involve a situation like that where it's not just a, here's our money, how do we spend it? Okay. That was a good answer. So get the whole team involved yep. is the answer and do a brainstorming session. Mm-hmm. The idea. Kelly, can I ask you a question about your, your new company? Oh, yeah. I was paging through the business courier <laughs> The other week, you did, you did tell me that you, that you and your husband or your husband had come up with a... My husband came up with that, yep. And it's a picture of you and him in the under-the-weather. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're calling under it? Under-the-weather tent. Why don't you explain for our listeners what this is? Uh, uh, Rick and I, my husband and I, have three kids, and they're, they're all... He just handed me this picture. I haven't seen this yet. <laughs> they're, all, um, they're all soccer players, so we've been sitting out in the cold rain, wind, I can not even begin to describe some of the conditions of some of the games, freezing our tails off watching soccer games. And uh, Rick was at a tournament um, and out of town, and jokingly, the guys were sitting around making uh, bids on the portalet for who could go sit in there for five minutes to warm up. And on the way home, he kind of drew a sketch of, you know, Rick said, there's got to be something better than an umbrella. There's got to be... And he basically invented this self-enclosable, three sides are clear, zippers completely shut, um, tent that folds down into a small carry ca- round carry case, about, I don't know, 18 inches round, and fits in a shoulder case. And it pops up in a second, folds in a couple seconds. It's um, The temperature inside this tent is can be up to 30 degrees warmer than the outside. Um, so... You know, it's a brilliant invention for people, and we found that we did a couple of sort of viral things this past winter. We ha- we are just now rolling it out. 
And um, are these units uh, available for sale now? They are. The fall price is seventy nine ninety five, and mm-hmm. they're for sale on it's under hyphen the hyphen weather dot com is the website, and you can purchase them on the website under the weather dot com dot com. Yeah, and uh, we're also doing a we're really focusing right now on the soccer sort of population. Well, the soccer season but we've into sold the him fall. To, ironically, we've sold a lot internationally because mm-hmm. he was on a contest for Walmart called Get on the Shelf. Mm-hmm. So it got a ton of exposure through that. So we've sold, uh, we've gotten a lot of inquiries from Great Britain. We've sold several to Canada. Um, there are a couple other countries he's sold to, too. Um, but yeah, so those, it, and campers, uh, lots of people are buying them for their grandparents who go out and watch their grandchildren play and, mm-hmm. you know, don't like to sit out in the cold. And it's perfect for sun protection, too. It's it's definitely... Um, is it UV rated? It is. Yeah. SPF um, 50, I think. Yeah. Wow. I hope I didn't get that wrong. I think I saw something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've only looked at the website 100 times. I should know. So are you, are you making this here in the United States or is this an offshore product? Yeah, no, it, it's something that he, my husband has a background in um, the apparel business. Mm-hmm. And so because of his connections in that industry, uh, it sort of really helped him bring that idea to fruition. Um, so, so is this patented? It is. Good. Yes. We've gotten as many patents as we possibly can, given the technology. Okay. Absolutely. We would not bring it to market. Okay, so I'm in the marketing business. <laughs> so there are a couple things that that I was able to bring to the table. But, yeah, he, he actually joined this contest before the website was finished mm-hmm. and um, got a ton of – it trended top ten in that contest. Uh, and so, you know, we had a very heated conversation that night when I said, I cannot believe that you did this. And I own a marketing firm, and we don't have a website. So we did get a website up pretty quickly, and we've kind of been backpedaling ever since. But it's one of these products that is it sells itself. It, if someone sees it, if you're sitting in the tent and it's relatively cold, someone will walk up to you and say, where do you buy those? Mm-hmm. And and so really? it's one of, I need to get our ducks in a row because I think that once it really gets out there, it's going to sell. It sounds like. You need to to seed a few of them around different soccer we leagues are. around the country. We absolutely are. We're talking to tournament directors throughout the country. Of course, we kind of know the big tournaments anyway because we've been to them for the last mm-hmm. 10 years. So um, that's definitely one of our efforts. This is a product that has to be seen and felt and touched so that, you know, so my when, when, my instinct was to put it on TV, but I don't even think that's the right way to start. I think it's getting into those tournaments and venues, and, and that's how it's going to It'd be like those folding chairs. Absolutely. You know, 20 years ago, no one had a, I know. a folding chair that folded up into a into a little tube. I know. I told him, I said, I hope someday if our children have children that play soccer and we walk on the field to see them, I, I told my husband, they said, they're going to they're gonna say, oh, there's that tent guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully everybody will have these tents. God willing, we've got a lot in the warehouse. <laughs> you have a lot of them in the warehouse. Yeah. yeah. How many did you... The did, first... Um, Shipment was 5000 That was our minimum order. Mm-hmm. So it looks like we'll probably be doing another order in the spring. And we've gotten a lot of feedback on uh, the existing tent. Uh, feedback's been great. We haven't had any issues with the functionality of it, but we've had some feedback on color. So we'll probably add some colors. Lots of people are kind of requesting, and we're seeing that. What so color is it? Right now they come in blue, um, yellow, and red. 
and people are complaining that they want other colors. Nobody's complaining. No. Um, but we've had a lot of we've had a lot of requests for camouflage. A lot of people are saying that that's that's our campers. Okay. And then we've had a lot of requests for black. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, because it just happens to be a, a popular um, color. You for know, the soccer teams. Correct. Yeah, and lacrosse. Okay. Yeah, so it's been a fun little project to work on. For you know, for me, I, I was talking to someone the other day and. The thing that I love most about this is this is going to be a great case study for me to bring to my clients because it's my skin in the game. It's my money. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have a marketing budget and I'm spending this money because I know that I might not get the money back this year, but I know that the only way this product is going to go to market and succeed is if I put a lot of money into it and mm-hmm. market it correctly. So, so this product is not available on the shelves of Walmart. No, it's not. No. And that wasn't the intent of the contest. Really, um, (laughs) what that contest did for us is it gave us a free um, qualitative study. Mm -hmm. So basically what I had was a product that got exposed to literally millions of people. Mm -hmm. And because it trended top 10 a couple of times, we knew that people liked it. They were intrigued by it. And then what we had is a ton of comments. There was... um, uh, Boing Boing is a, a blog, and they did a post on it. And I don't remember how many, but let's just say there were 50 to 70 comments. Everything from, hey, did you ever think of selling these to people who go to concerts to they gave us ideas for other places, people that would be interested in buying it. But just feedback in general, great idea. You know, there wasn't anything negative mm-hmm. at all. And so for me, you know, in product development, I didn't have $50,000 to do that kind of study, but based on what I saw from all the feedback, you know, I told my husband, look, if if you were my client, which you are, um, I would look at this feedback and say, you've got something. Let's go. Let's move. And that's when we decided to roll it out this fall. Mm-hmm. So you rolled it out? Literally when? three weeks ago. Three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we have a we have a campaign right now on um, a very popular website for sort of a high level soccer player where they do college and high school rankings called TopDrawerSoccer dot com, mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of sales that um, we think are re- recently that are probably coming from that, and we've had a few tournament directors purchase, you know, we we're selling them in sets of you know dozen two dozen. Uh, so that they can set them up at tournaments at like uh, for their parking lot attendance and for their field marshals. So, you know, those kinds of placements. And we're sponsoring some tournaments, talking to a couple resellers. Um, mm. So kind of each one training. of the uh, units comes with a label of telling people how to get more? On the back of every tent, um, the website silk screen on there and the logo. Oh. Yeah. So if you walk behind the tent, you'll see the website address. And that's, Man, I gotta have and that's our retail store. That's our store. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I was talking to a reseller in Indiana yesterday, and he said that, you know, he, he'll go to the venue. He sets up his tent. Um, he, he, he wants one of those large feather flags because mm-hmm. he said that will help because a lot of times people don't realize it's for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it always takes about usually about half time, and someone will walk over. And that's exactly what happens as we go to the field. We set them up. You know, of course, on my daughter's team, six, seven, eight of the parents have them. We just line them up. And the parents from the other side will stay on their side. But then about half time they'll wander over and say, so where did you get that? They never come over right away. It takes them a little bit of time, but yeah. Well, they're watching the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't have much time. 
uh, left, Kelly. Maybe you could give uh, one tip to people who are buying uh, advertising agency services. Uh, I would I would say do your research and talk to their clients. Always give my clients references. I would say about half the times half the time they call them. If I was going to give half a million, a million dollars in my budget to an advertising agency, I'd be talking to every client they have. And um, they can tell you and answer any question you have because it's a a big trust factor. So get referrals. I think you you, you hit the bullseye for me when you said talk to all of them. Mm -hmm. I think if I was going to give anyone a, a hint about how to buy a franchise because we train a lot of franchisees in a lot of different uh, systems. You need to talk to an extremely large cross-section exactly. of franchisees. Not just the ones we give them. Right. You in, know, in, in, in franchising, you have a, uh offering statement, which is required for people who recently left. Right. Uh, but publicly on the websites, there's a, there's a list of every each and every exactly. outlet. and. As there is on my website, all my clients, past, present, they're all on there. Got it. Yeah. Got to do that research to to make the most informed decision about who you're going to buy from. Not just from a credibility standpoint, but from a good fit standpoint. Right, right. Kelly, thanks again Thank for joining us. I'm going to give you a copy of uh, one of Sandler's books. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar uh, to take with you to learn Great. a little bit more about Sandler. And, uh, again, Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Thank you. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.